Welcome, Rink Rats, to this Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast, episode 32, exclusively sponsored by the Premium Hockey Outfitters at PuckHockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com, and use that discount code THERINK to get all your rink flannels, as it's getting a little chilly, a little chill in the air, and uh, so it's a perfect time to go out and get yourself a rink flannel or a hoodie or whatever. Actually, uh, I just saw Mr. Jekyll and... Uh, I will introduce you in a second, but I just saw that uh, the uh, that uh, puck hockey released a line of sweatpants, <laughs> which should be perfect for our uh, <laughs> our demographic. Are they the rink sweatpants? No, they're uh, oh. they're just puck hockey sweatpants, but they have a whole line of puck hockey sweatpants. I want them to introduce uh, the rink Zubaz pants. Remember those? Yes, I do, and I think <laughs> I, that's a good thing. I think we're onto something with that. Again, the something that would tops fit, and Zubaz pants. <laughs> again, that's something that would fit our uh, demographic. I think absolutely the juggalo <laughs> demographic. <laughs> so today is Thursday, October eleventh, two thousand eighteen. I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. What's up, jerks? Yes, Satan. And I am joined here by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy who ruins everything, Mister John Jekyll. Hello, sir. What's up, young Jeff Osborne, you big jabroni? <laughs> I know, I'm a hipster. Jabroni. I'm a young hipster. I yes, know, you, I know. You young hipster wannabe. You're not even a hipster. You're a hipster wannabe. Yes, yes, this is true. Well, you know what? Words are bullshit. They're just useless sounds that we make with our stupid mouths. <laughs> there we go. So anyway, John and I, together, we are your most trusted sources at your favorite online hangout, thedashrink.com. So, getting right into things a little bit, uh, the Blackhawks are going to be coming on shortly, uh, where it's about 6.45 Central Time. Blackhawks are going to be in Minnesota tonight, playing the uh, Wild. So, as that game comes on, you may hear us uh, uh, shouting, or you may hear our heads hitting desks as this goes Quite on. Quite possibly. Very possibly, yes. Uh, don't, don't let this uh, good start uh, fool you. Uh, we will explain to you why. This is kind of a bit of a charade, but you should know this already because last year they came out and put up 10 goals against the Pittsburgh Penguins and look how that season ended. So, but uh, anyway, so I don't know. I mean, Cam Ward's 4.63 goals against average. I mean, come on, Jeff, aren't you being a little negative? Yeah, I know. We're way too negative. Just pointing out the stats and the facts, but that's too negative for some people. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, you know, like some other jabroni to be like, hey, man, I'm just looking for the positives. Why can't you be more positive, man? I want to have a positive outlook, man. I don't. Uh, yeah. I'm not. Uh, I'm not buying jabroni. it. Yeah. Yeah. You got to watch out for the jabronis and the meatballs and all that. So. Or the jabroni meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. Before we really get into the uh, into the into the uh, the games and what's happened and the regular season started, we did get a review. So I, I I promised that if we did get a review, good or bad, I would read it out uh, on on the podcast. So JD of Nations, thank you for taking the time to go out and uh, give us a review. And actually, this was a good review. So I don't want to disappoint all of you, but we're gonna probably disappoint all of you. Uh, but basically, JD of Nation says, I've spent many midnight shifts in car rides being enlightened by Mario Gate and John, and I can't be more thrilled. I've 
looked for an insight to my Hawks for quite some time. The high bonus is the metal that became coupled alongside it. I'm astounded by the thoroughness of the player evaluations, raw opinions, predictions, contract, contract breakdowns, and free agent chatter. Well, that's not going to... Uh, the, the jabronis are not going to be happy with that. Man. Uh, JD of Nations, I think this is where I need to say that you are, in fact, my Ditka. And uh, that was an awesome that was an awesome compliment you paid us, my friend. And uh, we'll try to live up to that standard for you, buddy. I know that's uh, that's a that's a tough uh, that, that's tough to live up to, but damn, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, so the Blackhawks, they're two zero and one. Uh, they won two overtime games and they lost an overtime game. So all three of their games have been in overtime. Uh, they've given up what? Let's see. Uh, seven, six, 13 goals. No, 14 goals, 14 goals. They've given up in three games. Yeah. Um, we'll start off. We'll talk about the games that happened and then we'll kind of go into what, what, what else has happened kind of behind the scenes. So first of all, they opened the season against the senators four, three overtime win. Everyone was jumping up and down. It's the senators. I mean, they've had it. They had a pretty decent start. They did, they haven't sucked as bad as everyone thought they would. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's not coming. <laughs> and they're not that good of a team. Their goalie's almost 40 years old. You know, they got a lot of young guys. They've traded away most of their good guys. Like, it's kind of a shell of a team. They're kind of just a ragtag group. But, I mean, but the goal... Wouldn't, wouldn't you, Jeff, wouldn't you agree that the Senators are a team that has been very kind of clear and honest that they are in rebuilding mode. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they've been way overly over the top that they're in rebuild mode. Some teams kind of just, you know, they'll come out with a video and say, we're going to rebuild. This is going to hurt for a while. And then they kind of go away. And they're like, you know, remember that video we posted? Well, these guys, they just keep coming out, coming at you and coming at you and coming at you. We're rebuilding, we're rebuilding. This is going to be painful. We're rebuilding, we're yeah. rebuilding, uh, you know, yeah. You know, some teams put out videos talking about how everything's going to be great and you have to trust them. <laughs> or won't some, say who that is. Or some teams come out with videos that say, hey, our goalie's going to be coming back on, on October 18th. <laughs> and their goalie comes out and says, I don't know, you may want to slow your roll a little bit, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> but anyway, the Sens uh, game, they win 4-3 in overtime. Uh, goals by Debrinket, Taves, Seabrook, Kane got the overtime game winning goal. Uh, Cam Ward. Saved 22 of 25, gave up three on 10 shots in the first period. The Hawks outshot the Sens 43-25, which should have told you that the Blackhawks probably should have slaughtered them, but they didn't. Um, yeah. Chris Kunitz <laughs> takes a bad penalty that leads to a, uh, an Ottawa goal. And uh, contrary to a, a certain person who uh, contacted us, uh, he does in fact suck. And he is a $1 million piece of trash. I'm sorry, he is. He's a waste of a roster spot. And that's what I said then, and, that's, and I still maintain that now. But uh, you, do you have any takeaways from that uh, Suns game? Um, yes. Uh, one in particular, I think that was the game, the, being the first game of the season, and we've seen this in every game thus far. Uh, Jonathan Taves apparently spent the entire summer injecting steroids. Um, and, uh, he looks like he's 25 years old again, um, which is great. I mean, you know, listen, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that, you know, this balloon is, is going to get popped and 
we're going to find out that this is not, in fact, uh, you know, a Stanley Cup contending team or anything close to it. But there are some positives. And, man, that's one of them right there. Jonathan Taves looks just like he looks like a million bucks, you know. and That's huge. Um, Henry Yoki Haru. Uh, he, you know, he got turnstiled once in that game, led to a breakaway that they did not score on. Um, but again, he, you know, and again, this is sort of developed over the last three games. He's, he's played well, better than I think anyone expected except him, which is pretty cool. And, uh, so that's good news. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, there's a lot of stuff that we can pick on and no doubt we will before this is over. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I mean, they should have won that game. They really yeah. should have. I mean, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, everyone I mean, expected it. Anderson, so Anderson, I think he, he's, he's shot, he stopped 40 shots. I mean, that's, that's kind of remarkable. Um, but just he wasn't quite good enough in OT for, for the Sens. And, uh, you know, um, but the Hawks, I mean, they're definitely, they're putting a lot of shots on net. But at the same time, their defensive structure is garbage. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a ticking time bomb. Some, you know, they're, they're going to get caught and caught more often than not sooner or later. Yeah. And, and you know, something I was thinking about, and, and this is kind of the grand scheme of those three games, what I've seen. And it's not just the, de- the defensemen defense is also the forwards. Yeah, and absolutely. You, and you have absolutely. people like, and we've been really hard on this guy and for good reason, Nick Schmaltz, man, I see him just going through the motions, coming back, covering on defense. Like if you want, if, if he's going to be, that first line center that everyone says he's going to be, you got to come back hard on D and you got to, yeah. you got to pick up a guy. Like you can't be just straight legging it and, you know, straight legging it back in, in the defensive end. And then your guy ends up with a, you know, one timer in front of the net and scores a goal. Like that's not a first line center. That's not a future first line center. This is not your first year in the league. You're not a rookie anymore. Like, right. you know, and, and the thing that, you know, obviously there's the face-off issue, which at least for the through the first three games, not good, not not acceptable. Um, and the thing again, it goes back to the well, the face-offs don't matter argument. And I think we pretty much put that to bed by explaining that they really do matter, especially in the offensive and defensive zones, and even more so on special teams. And if your number two face-off option on the power play is a 35% guy, you got a problem. That's going to hurt your power play at least on that unit. And, uh, you know, then the other thing that, you know, even Olchek and, and Foley are pointing out is that he pulls up to avoid hits way too often, and he doesn't finish plays because of it. And I don't know if that's because he had that concussion last year and he's still kind of, you know, um, a little timid because of it. But that kind of thing is not going to go over well long-term in the dressing room with the other guys. I mean, it's the NHL. Uh, you got to pay the price to play in the NHL. And, uh, uh, you know, it remains to be seen that clearly the guy has a a great deal of talent in his legs and in his hands, but I'm not seeing a guy that merits a six year, uh, $36 million contract to stay with, with the Hawks. He's, he's got to show more to get that. And if, if Bowman based upon how he's playing now, or if this continues if Bowman gives him that kind of money, um, I got to think the torches and the pitchforks are going to be out. Well, yeah, but the problem here is that the the public's been fed all this about Nick Schmaltz. He's good. He's really good. He's this, he's that. 
and people are starting to believe it. It's like if you if you lie long enough and you preach a lie long sure. enough, people start to believe it. Sure, and that's, that's what's what happening. Said. <laughs> you know, repeat it long enough and well enough and people will believe it. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's true. But I also think, I don't know, I'm hearing some people, I'm hearing some people that normally are very positive, you know, glass half full type people commenting about a number of things, but including Schmaltz, that he's just, he's not getting the job done as a second line center. I mean, he'll make a great play every now and then that makes you go, oh yeah, he's great. He's a great center. But, you know, at the fundamentals of the position, um, up and down the ice, I'm sorry, it's not happening. And, you know, like the St. Louis game, I mean, they say you watch the way teams like St. Louis play him. They know what what his weakness is. They they know how to marginalize him physically and push him to the outside. And, um, you know, this is all it's all fun and games in the regular season. But if the Hawks ever get back to the playoffs, I mean, you can't have a, a, a top six center who plays that kind of game, who's, who's actually more comfortable on the perimeter. I don't ever see him go to the front of the net. No, he, he hasn't. And, um, and, and in, in a private hockey chat today, there was, you know, a lot going on and, you know, there's the, there's, there's been this continuous debate about the face-off thing. And <clears throat> someone brought up that, Hey, the Stanley cup champs. And Oh, it was, it was our boy, Pappy. And he brought up a good point. The Stanley cup champs sucked at face-offs last year. They were one of the worst in the league, but I retorted with the fact that you have Alexander Ovechkin and Tom Wilson on that team. Those guys will go in the corner and get the puck. Yeah. Who's right. getting the puck on that? I mean, it, it, right now, Brandon Saad, I don't know what he's doing. I, I, I'm a big Brandon Saad apologist, but I don't know what's going on with him. And Yeah. he's He is playing. He's, he's at least playing hard defensively. Um, I'm just not sure he's really meshing. You know, he's he's on a new line this year. He's played with he's played with Taze for the last what four years, yeah. Well, except for when he was in Columbus. But I mean, he's on a new line this year, and I th- I think you know there's going to be an adjustment period. Um, I mean, he, look look at the way he came into the league. How lucky was he playing with you know Jonathan Taves in his prime and Marion Hosa? I mean, um, that's a pretty easy way to break in. And I, I'm a I'm a Brandon Sod believer. I'm a Brandon Sod fan. I think that he's just he's got to find his game. Let the game come to him. In the meantime. He's playing good defense. Um, you know, he's he's making he's he's playing hard. Um, it'll come to him. He's he's a good hockey player. Yeah, I'm really hoping he is. Uh, I'm just it, it is disappointing and frustrating that he started out so slow again this year. Yeah. But to get back to my original point, you have Nick Schmaltz, you have Patrick Kane, and you have Brandon Saad. None of those guys are right now going into the corner to get that puck. No. And on the first line, what? Who? Dominic Cahoon? Maybe, maybe, because it's not going to be Alex Debrinket. I mean. He, DeBrickett is what he is, and Taze is what he is. Taze maybe go get the puck, but he's not losing the faceoff either. No. It, and, you know, the other thing, too, about the Capitals, let me just qualify that because I, somebody brought that up to me on Twitter after I posted the blog about faceoffs, and, hey, man, faceoffs don't matter well. Hey, man. You know, and they brought, up, they brought up the Capitals, and in particular, Evgeny Kuznetsov and his 38%. But here's the thing. The Caps never used him on the power, barely on the power play, and never on the penalty kill as a faceoff man. So you know that that overall team faceoff statistic. Eh, I'd like to look go back and look at how they were on special teams. I'll bet they were better than they were overall on special teams, because um, good teams usually are in those situations. Yeah. And uh, you know, but again, you're right. I mean, when you got guys who go and retrieve pucks. Winning the faceoff is not as vital on a team like the Hawks, where the wings, for the most part, are 175 pounds. 
<laughs> you know, you, yeah. it, it's better to win the draw. And, 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 you know, Tom Wilson is what he is. Like, I'm not defending the guy or anything, but he'll go get that puck yeah. <laughs> to his detriment. He will pound you into the ice and take the puck away from you. And yeah. Ovi will do the same thing. Ovi's 220-something pounds. He's bigger than anyone on the Blackhawks. Yeah. Like, it's just a fact. So yeah. they're a much bigger team than the Blackhawks. So they can lose, you know, possession and go get it. The Blackhawks are not going. And once they lose possession, the only way they're getting possession back is a bad pass in the neutral zone that they pick off. Or when it comes back their end and uh, Cam Ward has to make two or three saves and then they come back the other way. Yep. That's how the Blackhawks get possession back. And that doesn't lend itself well to what Joel Quenville preaches and all that stuff. I mean, it, 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 it just all ties in together. If they want to be a possession team, but they want to be a small, fast team, they have to get possession off the draw. Yep. That's, that's the point. Yeah. You can't be a possession team if you don't possess the puck in the first place. Yes, right, exactly. So <clears throat> uh, the second game was the Blues. Uh, I actually, I, I'm, I was impressed. Uh, I thought the Blues were going were gonna to just drag them up and down the ice and mop them because they're, uh, the Blues have completely revamped their center ice position. They got Ryan O'Reilly, who's a stud center. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that he's a first-line center, but he's a he'd be a, I would love to have him as a second line center for the Blackhawks. I mean, yep. just wins face offs in every, every zone Competes. can play every position. He's a leader. I mean, yep. he would have cost some money, but I wanted them to get Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, Taves hat trick, uh, including the overtime game winning goal. Kane had another goal. Kruger, your boy Kruger had a goal. Well, and Hey, there's another nice little surprise this year. You know, I mean, Marcus Kruger, who, who like Taves, would, was basically written off as being done. Um, he's, he's written off by me. Year. He's healthy. He looks great. No, he was. Uh, he, he, I, it was me that I was hard on Kruger, thinking he was done. So I'll eat crow on that one. I, I'll gladly eat crow on that one. And I don't mean crow. <laughs> I, I don't mean that crow. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so we're just done with phrasing, right? That's not a thing anymore. <laughs> but I'll gladly crow on that. If Kruger has a really good comeback season, that's that's fine because that's what we I, want. I think he looks great. I think he can taste both. Look, look five years younger, which is great. Certainly doesn't hurt because it's otherwise a team that's kind of weak down the middle. Um, so that's nice. You know, it's just it's almost too bad. I mean, the tapes thing, I, I kind of want to shake Stan Bowman and say, why didn't you do anything else this summer? Yeah, you know, you, you got Patrick Kane, who you knew was going to be good, and Taves looks looks fantastic. He looks completely rejuvenated. Just think if he'd have gone out and made a big move for a big player, you know, like yeah. a John Tavares or an Eric Carlson, um, you know, and you know maybe maybe they would have had to package say Schmaltz in, in for that, you know, instead of us sitting here dissecting, you know, why Schmaltz isn't make, isn't cutting it as a center, we wouldn't even have to talk about that. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah. You have some interesting possibilities. I mean. We're going to have ample time this year to talk about Bowman and, and you know, his future with the club, et cetera. But um, it's just kind of it's it's kind of unfortunate when I mean you see how good Taves looks. I mean, man, <laughs> you know, um, and Yoki Hardy has been a nice surprise, too, you know, but I there just seems to still be a lot of holes. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, the problem, I mean. OK, Taves is Taves is really good and and. And I think from from all reports, we can thank Adam Oates for this, or at least from what yeah. we're hearing. 
that, you know, Taves is, he's a man on fire right now. And that's wonderful because we've been waiting for that for, and we keep saying he's going to come back. He's going to rebound. He's Jonathan Taves. And now it's finally happening. Thank God. And I don't even believe in God, but anyway, um, (laughs) you know, a hat trick overtime game winning goal. It's great. He's, he's scoring goals in the dirty areas. It's, it's wonderful. Um, Kane, he scored the overtime goal against the Sens. That was a filthy backhand in overtime that he yeah. put up over over Craig Anderson. Craig Anderson didn't even stand a chance on that one. Right, Kane. No, he's that's he's that's that's Kane's shot. You know, that's his that's his his patented shot is that that nifty little backhander. I don't even know how he does it. Yeah, and then and then uh, we can thank Daryl Belfry for that. <laughs> you know, for for Patrick Kane being what he is continuing to be what he is he's never really slacked off Patrick Kane's always been Patrick Kane so um but anyway back to the Blues game uh Cam Ward saved uh 26 of 30 gave up two in the first and two in the third shots were even at 30 you know what that's about the best I would have asked for out of that game they went in overtime and um you know that I would have asked for nothing more than that you know, right. as the preseason ended. So anything else uh, as far as the blues go? Um, impressions of that game. No. Okay, cool. All right. And then, then, then the game, the game, uh, the Leafs game Sunday night, uh, Blackhawks lose seven, six in overtime. Uh, the game was crazy. It was insanity. Uh, unfortunately I didn't get to watch like, the last of the third period when all the action happened and the overtime until later, uh, I had my own game to take care of getting my ass kicked, but, um, <laughs> it was just back and forth, back and forth. Every time the Leafs would score, the Hawks would score. Every time the Hawks would score, the Leafs would score back and forth, back and forth. But the goals were by Taves to Hayden. Nice to see Hayden in his first game of the year, score a goal. Uh, Manning finally did something. Uh, Kane had two goals, both game tying goals. Uh, it's funny how that worked out. You know, he scored, what, two goals in the last two minutes. Both of them tied the game. And he scores a game-tying goal. Then Toronto comes back and goes up again. And then he comes back and scores another game-tying goal to put him into overtime. I mean, what more can you ask from the guy? Uh, Cam Ward saved uh, 27 of 34, gave up all seven goals, which um, that's something we're going to have to talk about. Uh, shots were 34-31, favoring Toronto, which isn't crazy. But uh, when you have players like Jonathan Tavares getting hat tricks and you have Austin Matthews on that team, uh, 30, giving up 34, uh, shots is not gonna, not gonna bode well for you. Uh, and then there was the whole Matthews Kane celebration back and forth thing, which was kind of funny, I guess. If yeah, you care about that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, Kane said, Hey, not, not just yet young, uh, Matthews, young Matthews. Yeah. But uh, Austin Matthews, you hipster wannabe, (laughs) man, I'm just trying to look at the bright side, man, trying to be positive, man. That's my jabroni impression. You're doing a fine job. (laughs) But uh, first of all, I don't know why Cam Ward started the uh, both sides of a back to back. I don't know why that's happening because it was the Blues Leafs. It was Saturday, Sunday. I don't know why that's happening. Cam Ward's 34 years old. That Cam Ward has not played great. He's played. He's been okay at times. Not great. Why don't you play Anton Forsberg? 
Yeah, I wonder if that was after Forsberg hurt his hand and they were still trying to protect his hand a little bit. I don't know. Well, he got hurt against the Sens. He took a high shot against the Sens. The emergency call up, our boy Colin Delia, shout out to Delia, called him up. He sat on the bench. Uh, He had to do the emergency flight thing. He had to be, uh, you know, police escort from the airport, the whole thing. Uh, He showed up because uh, in morning skate, uh, Forsberg took a high shot and had to go off the ice. Then Forsberg was back uh, for the skate on Friday or whatever it was, and he was okay for the Blues game. He didn't hurt his hand until yesterday. So I I don't know what's going on, why they're not playing Anton Forsberg, but that is a prime opportunity. This young goalie that you say that you stand behind, that you're backup, that you traded – you know, you had to include in this trade with Brandon Saad that you, you know, you didn't do anything to get rid of him or anything during the summer or move him or yeah. anything like that. This is your guy. You have faith well, in him. You I don't, don't see how, I, honestly, I've ne- I don't see how Anton Forsberg would be worse than Cam Ward. No. Um, and I'm not even, he, I don't even like in all In Forsberg. all likelihood, he probably would have, he might have, might have played better. So I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, it could be that they're that they're you know, again, they, you know, the Hawks love to force narratives, and maybe they're trying to force a narrative that Cam Ward really was worth, you know, the money they paid him and the the uh, no movement clause, et cetera. That could be it. I don't know. I've heard all kinds of crazy conspiracy theories. One of them was, well, they don't want Anton Forsberg to go in and play well because when they have to finally send him through waivers, they don't want everyone, you know, they don't want him to be on the radar. Yeah. Like, well, that's kind well, of a complicated, that's a very complicated conspiracy theory for a backup goalie. I mean, as we said last time, the season started and, you know, Carolina's goalie got hurt. Philly's goalie got hurt. Both Toronto goalies got claimed. Well, you know, there's there, uh, uh, Jonathan Quick got hurt in L.A. Uh, where else? Someone else got a, a goalie that was hurt. I don't even remember, but someone, uh, somewhere else a goalie got hurt. And um, they, they're in need of probably a goalie somewhere. Or actually, Toronto probably is in need of another goalie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean. Oh, Florida. Florida. Luongo's down. Yeah, right. There you go. So, yep. if um, it doesn't matter if it's now or if it's the 18th of October. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> when they send, when they try to send him through waivers, because they're not going to carry three goalies. That's just not going to happen. And uh, it doesn't matter when it happens. I mean, they're going to know Anton Forsberg is what he is. I, I don't I don't see why beating the hell out of Cam Ward makes a difference. I mean, I heard some someone got a hold of me and said, well, you know, just Cam Ward, you know, he's going to just be the backup later anyway, so why not just use them all up now? Well, you're going to need them later too. I mean, if Corey Crawford comes back, and if Corey Crawford is even a shade of his former self, you're still going to need a backup to play some games and probably some cruddy games like yeah. back-to-backs or things like that where he's going to play against teams. I mean, if you're going to beat the hell out of him now and and hurt him or what, I, I don't I don't know. It, it doesn't hold, make a lot of sense to me at all. But as we say this, the Blackhawks just started, and uh, so here we go. Uh, so that was pretty much it for the, the Leafs game. I mean, the, the Leafs are a really good team, but they can't, their defense is terrible too. And they play Garrett Sparks, Chicago Elmhurst native Garrett Sparks in that he didn't have a great game. He didn't have a terrible game, uh, but he's essentially a rookie. 
he hasn't really, I don't think he ever started in the NHL. He was only doing like mop up duty when, uh, uh, you know, when, when Freddie Anderson was given up, you know, six goals or something like that. I think he was maybe come, came in a couple times or something or backed up uh, Curtis McElhaney or uh, who knows. Yeah. But anyway, shout out to Garrett Sparks, hometown Chicago native, whatever. Elmer's name. Yeah, that was a, that was a tough game to come in on. And uh, um, oh, Hawks have started here. Yep. yep. Somebody just uh, somebody just. Oh, Schmaltz, he overskated the net a little bit. Not his fault. Go but. figure. Yeah, go figure. Anyway, yeah, we're we're both watching the Blackhawks game now. So if you, like I said, if you hear our heads hit the desk, it's or or a facepalm, like nice slap of the skin on the forehead, it's because the Blackhawks are now playing. Um, but the uh, so that's that's all that stuff. Uh, <clears throat> back to the Crawford thing. Uh, the the Blackhawks are still feeding us this line of crap that Crawford is still on track to come out, come the 18th, which is next week. This is no longer a month down the road or three weeks down the road. The 18th is next week. Now he's practiced with the team. Finally, this week, they're actually, it, do, it doesn't seem like they're letting up on him or they're going taking it easy on him, which is all fine and well. But does it mean he's ready for game action? against and facing 35 to 40 shots a game. No, it does not. On top of this, and this hurts me, this physically hurts me to say this. I'm going to agree with Laz again. And I, I listened to the latest podcast, and I agreed with Laz like three times. I don't know what the switch the athletic has done to him, but I find myself agreeing with Laz more often, and yeah, I too. hate it. Me too. But um, he said... He walked up to Corey Crawford. He said, so the 18th next week, you're ready to go. And basically Corey Crawford says, I can't comment on that, but just slow your roll, which basically means the team's bullshitting. As we've said, you know, it's going to be closer to Thanksgiving than it is going to be to, you know, game one, because don't hang your hat on the 18th being Corey Crawford's going to return to action, be all-star, be a visit, a trophy candidate. It's not happening. So somebody somebody raised a really good point this week when Mike Murray um, Matt, got a concussion. Matt Murray, uh, yeah. The uh, Mark, it's Mike. What's his first name? Matt. Matt Murray. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it shows how much I know about Eastern Conference goalies. Kidding. Um, but know, again, another Murray goalie that's con- hurt. Go ahead. When Murray got a con- pardon me. I said, but again, another goalie that's hurt, where a team may right. need a, a backup goalie like at Anton Forsberg. But go ahead. So, so when Murray got hurt, the, the Pens said, look, he's got a concussion. The, the Hawks have been so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, charitably put, they've been circumspect. Um, I thought you were going to say circumcised. <laughs> no, well, that maybe, I don't know. Hey, uh, phrasing! <laughs> Go ahead. Um, they're gonna, th- they've been so uh, evasive, um, uh, hidden, about about all this uh, this this Crawford thing from the very beginning, uh, that, 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 that that spawned all these rumors about you know rehab. We could say it now, rehab, etc. Um, which which by now is clearly clearly the was not the the, the at least not the main issue. No, and right. probably not an issue at all. Um, but uh, it, it just again, it's they. I don't know. I just I feel like this organization is is really struggling 
with the reality of where they're at in terms of ticket sales and, and brand equity right now. They didn't expect it to happen or happen this fast. Um, and they don't know how to respond other than to kind of, you know, use the usual tactics to pump things up and make everything seem great. Um, I mean, that video that, that was out there that about, you know, you, we need to trust and believe the, the front office because they're, quote, on it. And, I mean, come on. Um, let's let's see some results and we'll believe it, you know. They haven't I mean, been on anything. I mean, they haven't shown anything to to – support that they're on anything they they brought in a seventh defenseman um they're you know it's all rookies you know that they brought up and while yoki haro has been great or at least he's been a good decent i I won't even say good i'll just say he's been a serviceable nhl defenseman he hasn't gotten killed and he deserves to be where he's at yeah you know he looks pretty he looks really good and yeah that's great but uh, the thing about Crawford, it just really feels like that they're, as an organization, they're trying to build hope and hype um, around Crawford's return. That Crawford himself is saying the only person who can really determine when he's ready to go is Corey Crawford. Yeah. That's it. And if Corey um, Crawford is telling you to hold up, slow your roll, like maybe you should go with the actual player who's having, who, who who's had the issue for nine months. Yep. You just, yeah. just, just, just a thought, just throwing that out there. Oh, and by the way, Cam Ward just turned the puck over and almost, uh, ended up, turned it over to the wild and then, uh, almost gave up a goal, uh, because of it. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. This game's really up and down fast pace. Yeah, it is. It is back and forth. Um, so anyway, uh, that's the Crawford stuff. I, it, 18th, even if they were to activate him, I think he backs up and he still just sits behind Cam Ward for a while. And, but I don't see any hurry to get him back in the lineup because of the fact that you're going to have to do something with Anton Forsberg and you're not going to be healthy scratching Anton Forsberg every night. I, I just don't see that happening. That would be stupid. Yep. You've already screwed with his head enough. That's not going to help. And yeah. I don't know what they're going to, what they're going to do, you know, when that happens, but I, I like, you know what though, honestly, I'm going to worry about that when Corey Crawford's got the pads on and, and you know, he's on the ice then I'll work. Then, then we should, then we should worry about that until then it, it's just all talk. We don't know. Yeah. Well, and, and as you know, sometimes I'm, I'm this, this comes up and, and I hear, you know, Oh, you might be coming back. Oh, he's practicing. And I think to myself, Oh, well, you know, I said probably no earlier than Thanksgiving. Maybe I was off a little bit. And then I think about it and I'm like, well, nothing out here has shown me that, that, you know, they say the 18th, that there's nothing that has shown or proven that, that this is going to actually happen. Right. These are all just words, like I said earlier. Yeah. It's all just words being thrown out at us. There's no evidence to support this. I, you know, and I guess, you know, people probably send me tinfoil hats, but I really believe that, that if you look at all of this stuff, the statements about Crawford, the, the videos, um, everything, I mean, and just, just the way that, you know, the, they're reporting the, the games on, uh, on NBCSN, I mean, it just feels like they're really trying to to try hard to reverse the narrative and get people to buy tickets. And because everything we're hearing is that they're not selling a lot of tickets. And um, I think that has a lot of people worried about their jobs, quite frankly. Boom. Nailed it. Great point. So anyway, don't don't hold your breath for uh, Corey Crawford coming back on the 18th because um, you might be in trouble if you're actually holding your breath. And what uh, constitutes a Crawford comeback? 
to me, it's it's when Corey Crawford is at least at least ninety to ninety five percent of what he was, uh, you know, pre injury. Um, Corey Crawford at seventy five percent is Cam Ward. <laughs> that that is or a worse, great point. <laughs> you know, so I mean, and God bless him. We've said it here before. I mean, Crawford's been an absolute warrior about coming back from this thing, and uh, I have no doubt that he's that he's given everything he can to it. And uh, you know, kudos to him because it's got to suck. But uh, you know, the bottom line is, is again, he, he we'll we'll see when he when he's you know, got that 2.3, 2.4 GPA, or excuse me, GAA, man, I'm all over the map tonight. And, you know, safe, safe percentage north of 915, you know, then then we can say, yeah, Crawford's back. Okay. And that could happen. And it, it may happen this year and it may happen soon, you know, but uh, I don't know. It just feels like the, the Crawford comeback thing is that old, there's the cal- the cavalry coming over the hill to save the day. So don't, don't despair, folks. And yeah, it's, like, oh, tickets. it's like, oh, look, squirrel. Look, squirrel, you know, right. pay attention over here. Don't pay attention to anything else. Now, luckily, luckily for the, the Blackhawks, you know, they've started off pretty well. So it's not, they're right. not having to do a whole lot of diversion, or at least right. the record shows they're doing well. As we're going to kind of talk about in a little bit, if you look at the underlying numbers, it kind of shows that they're just kind of uh, lucking out here a little bit. But yeah, we're going to talk about the underlying yeah. numbers and they're, um, they're, uh, they're not, they're not good. No. But as far as the Blackhawks go, words are bullshit. They're just useless sounds that we make with our stupid mouths. <laughs> there you there go. Is. There you go. So, um, let's see. Let's talk about uh, what's going on right now. Alexander Fortin making his NHL debut as we're sitting here watching this game uh, because Martinson hurt his back. Fine, no big, no huge loss. Your boy Chris Kunis just drew a penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah well. He's still useless. <laughs> he probably he probably drew a penalty because he was too slow and someone tripped over him or something. But uh, but anyway, uh, at least they've changed. That's, that's actually kind of what happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least they've kind of changed. It looks like they've kind of changed the power play a little bit. They got Yoki Haro out there instead of Duncan Keith. Which surprise, surprise, Duncan Keith sucks on the power play like we've been saying for three years. Yeah, they're doing that one three one. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to do it anyway. Yeah, it's not going too well, but uh, uh, and there it comes out of the zone. So, yeah, yeah, uh, there you go, Kane. Yeah, all right. Well, whatever. So, Fortin's <laughs> making his NHL debut tonight. That's your boy, Alexander Fortin. It's kind of a surprise, actually, that they called him up first. But, um, I guess based on what the alternatives are, and as far as like pro experience goes, I guess Fortin, because he had played a whole year in Rockford last year, and he had a really good camp. I guess that's why he's his first call. He's first call up, and Dylan Sakura isn't. But d- then again, Dylan Sakura is playing third line in Rockford. Yeah, I, it sounds like it feels like they were sending him a message. I thought during preseason when they bumped him down, they were sending him a message. And uh, um, yeah, um, you know, it's interesting. Fortin, you know, when I watched him in person, one of the things you notice when the TV, when you're not watching on TV is um, he is always looking for that stretch pass He's, yeah. and he'll get behind defenders. Um, and it's interesting kind of, when they drew this penalty, I believe he was a step out ahead of uh, Kunitz and he could have taken the pass too. And they were trying to stretch pass, which is what drew the interference penalty. So, um, you know, that, that could be part of the reason they brought him up too. They, cause 
you know, there's not a lot of speed on that line where they have him playing. So, right, you know, right. he can add that to it and maybe make that line a little more dangerous. Right. Right. Yeah. That they, they definitely need speed on that line because Kampf and uh, Nisimov and Kunitz, I mean, that's just, that's three boat anchors. I mean, yeah. Kampf's okay, but he's not a speed demon. He's okay, no. but he's yeah, going to be the most speed you're going to get on that line. You got Fortin yeah. out there who's, I mean, he wheels. Yeah, he's, he could fly. And we saw that. Eric and I both saw that in... in uh, oh, Cahoon was an open side. Yeah, ah. I saw that. That's because he hit uh, Artem Anisimov, who was in the way. Flying <laughs> yeah. down. Yeah. But, uh, so, you know, whatever. I it, That's fine. He deserves... After last year being injured and not doing so well, and then here they go. They lose a face-off, comes back the other way, shorthanded, almost breakaway. All right, cool. That's happening. That's a thing. <laughs> so, uh, well, let's get into this. The power play still blows, and that's what we're talking about right here. Uh, Brandon Manning and Jan Ruda out there together getting blown around by uh, somebody. Who is that? Zucker. Jason Zucker going in around Ruda and uh, Manning. And then Manning falls into his own goalie and almost hurts his goalie. So anyway, the, the power play still blows. I'm sorry. It sucks. It sucked for three years. It sucked in the first game. It sucked in the second game. They are now over in three games. Four, and now we're going on our fourth game here. They're over. They're the worst in the league on the power play. I said this. I brought it up. I posted it on the Facebook page. Some wise ass came out there. Man, it's only the first game, man. Well, you know what? It sucked for three years. It sucked in the preseason. It sucks now. Like, I'm tired of this, you know, this devil's advocate stuff. It's well, tiring. You know, I don't know. Listen, I'm not going to pretend to uh, to know how to coach hockey nearly as well as Joe Quinville or Bolfie or um, Deneen. But uh seems to me common sense from my limited coaching experience in hockey and lacrosse is that you kind of want to get your units set and then really drill them and uh you know, that rep- through that repetition, they gain continuity. And the power play is so critical to understand where your line mates are going to be. And Gus just drew a penalty. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep, your um, boy. But it's so, it's so important. And I, so part of, to me, the, one, the big problem is they keep changing up the units constantly. And these guys can't gain any sense of continuity. Yeah, that was holding. That was a lazy stick penalty. That's what that's called. I guess was hooking. Yeah, well, the, the Minnesota. I'm a little bit ahead of you. Minnesota just uh, took a penalty against Duncan Keith, so uh, they negated the power. Uh, their, their you power said play. that you're always ahead of me, young Jeff. <laughs> well, um, you know, I don't have any institutional knowledge. Well, thank you, Laz. Back in the box. Yep, man, this guy's right freaking delusional. Well. <laughs> yeah, Miko Koivu, captain. Hooking this year. Yeah, well, he chopped the stick out of uh, Duncan Keith's hand. But anyway, I don't, don't want to bore the everyone who's already seen this game and knows what has happened. But um, their power play sucks. I'm I'm glad to see that they're fine. they're adjusting something. It's still not working yet, but that yeah, doesn't mean it slash. won't work. I would rather stick them stick with the adjustment and work on that. Henry Yokihara is fine as a power play quarterback on the first yeah. unit. Don't have Duncan Keith care. He sucks. He can't get the shot through. He doesn't suck as a defenseman, but he sucks at the power play point. Uh, he can't get a shot through. He does turn it over a lot. Like it's. It it doesn't work. It hasn't worked for a long time. Stop with yeah. this. Stop. So yeah, just get get some set units out there. Your best guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, the the other thing that happens in their power play far too often is whenever Kane gets the puck at the, at the right half board, 
he'll start handling the puck and everything else stops. He's a great he's a great player, but when he does that, it's like the rest of the team just stops moving and the defenders settle into their lanes and that's it. You know, you're not gonna get anything. Um so that that's another problem they have in their power play. Um but you know, I mean, yeah, and, and Keith is his shooting percentage from the top is not good. So it's just it's a it's a combination of things. And they gotta they gotta get it figured out. They should with the players they have, they should be able to figure it out. Yeah. I agree. They they have enough talent to at least have one good power play line. Oh, absolutely. They're not they're not super deep. Uh, you know the the bottom six is suspect. But when you got Jonathan Taves, you got Patrick Kane, you got now the young the young hipster Henry Okiaro out there. Um, you got you got the cat, my friend. You got the kid, and you got and you, you got, got the, the schmaltz, the schmaltz, and the Blackhawks just scored. Uh, four nice. on four, delayed penalty. The cat, the aforementioned cat, nice. scores on the four on four. Uh, Jonathan Taze and and uh, Alex DeBrinket came in on a two on one and uh, delayed penalty actually at the time. Uh, and uh, I think it was Taves. Let's see, yeah, it was Taze. Fought through a check, then fed DeBrinket on the on the backside for a goal. That. Is, oh, look at him. That's vintage Taves there, Yes, baby. sir. I was just going to say, oh, that's vintage Jonathan Taves. Frosted cat. That was all Taves. Yep. All yep. Cat had to do was finish it. Be yep. on the spot and finish it, man. That was yep. beautiful. Man, I'm so... And I'm wearing a Jonathan Taves shirt right now. Uh, I'm so happy that Jonathan Taves is, seems to be back. Oh, God. Oh, it's awesome, man. Yeah. It's just, but anyway. It's, again, it's just too bad they didn't do anything else this summer. Yeah. Because we might have be having a different conversation this year. So anyway, so anyway, to the guy who who is man, it's only the first game of the season. The power play still sucks. Sorry, it does. And then I up, I also upset Chris Kunitz's biggest fan, <laughs> who took very important time out of his day of uh, doing whatever to email and tell me that um, that I'm a big jerk and I'm a big meanie because I said Chris Kunitz is a one million dollar waste of space, uh, which he is. Sorry, he is. Uh, he's 39 years old. There's no reason for him to be out there. I don't care if their Corsi numbers are good. They don't do anything else. They don't, they're not scoring goals. If they drive the, you know, if they drive the possession down, that's all good and well, but the fourth line can do that. Like you need a third line that can score goals in this league. You need three lines that can score goals. That third line doesn't score goals with Chris Kunitz, David Kampf and Erdemann Isimov. They need help, which is why Alex Fortin's out there. Now, right now, um, <clears throat> but, and they're going to, and everyone's like, well, they're going to, they're going to wave Kunitz. That, when has the Blackhawks ever waved a guy like that? Or at least in this, uh, in this, Kunitz. I mean, you know, Andrew Brunette. see them trading him at the deadline. I mean, I mean, he's got a no trade anything for him. The guy's 39 years old. He's got a no trade. <laughs> they can't yeah, even move him. that too. Well, I mean, they, you know, what? No trades. I mean, they, those can be worked around. I yeah, mean, there they, are. They but I mean, in theory, the he's got a no trade if he wants to stay in Chicago because his wife's from Chicago and says, yeah, no, I don't well, care. That's that's true. Like when when in this, you know, you got the, the Fernando Pisani era. You've got the Andrew Brunette era. When have they ever waived anybody like that? Some old no. veteran that they brought in to fill a spot, fill a slot. Or, no. or or uh, Patrick Sharp last year, who, contrary to what everyone, you know, the people who wanted to harass me on the internet about it, he was terrible. He was bad last year. 
basically forced yeah, him into retirement. Really Despite the reports that he was in tip top shape. Yeah. Um, no, he was, he was not good. He was pretty much done. Yeah. All knowing people on Twitter. Um, you know, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> man, Chris Kunitz, you can take your Chris Kunitz and do whatever you want to do with him because he, he well, need listen to and, and listen, I, I'm sure Chris Kunitz is a really good guy. He's probably a good influence in the dressing room. I just question why they had to spend a million dollars to, to bring a guy like him into a team that clearly has a lot of holes when you've got some guys at the high AHL level who you could have brought up and developed a little bit this year in his place, like Alex Forte, like uh, Matthew Highmore, another one of my favorites. Um, it just, it, I don't, it just doesn't, you know, and then you give the guy a no movement clause to try to get him here, which is kind of pathetic that you're having to hand out no, no movement clauses for the likes of Cam Ward and Chris Kunis to get him to come to Chicago. Yeah. Two guys that that in and of itself says a lot. Yeah. Two guys that are almost both over 35, 35 or older. Like that's, you shouldn't have to do that. Nobody else. And then there was no market for those guys. Come on. No, no. (laughs) <laughs> no, there wasn't. They could, they could bullshit all they want about that. There's no market to have to double double Cam Ward's salary from what it probably was at market wise, and give him a no trade clause. And the same with Chris Kuhn. It's like giving him giving him a million dollars. Like you should have been able to give him like the yeah whatever. But anyway, I digress. So the Blackhawks they were they're Boy, right Taves, now. Dave's just undressed Ryan Suter, man. That's really? awesome. Yeah, this is awesome to watch Jonathan Taves like. Yeah, enjoy it, folks, because yeah. that may be the that may be the highlight this year is, is his resurgence. Yeah, and of course the cat, my friend. The cat. The cat. The cat, man. The cat's gonna take us to the promised land, man. <laughs> that's gonna now become the thing. That's gonna be the the jabroni impression. That's a thing. It's a, it's a thing. It's it the is. jabroni slash the uh, devil's advocate. That's right, man. It's right, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so the Hawks coming into this game, they're 25th in a league in faceoff percentage, which is bad. The penalty kill, 30th in the league, bad. The power play, 31st in the league, bad. Goals four, they're tied for fifth in the league, which is good, but it's not sustainable. It's just not. No, it's not. No. Um, and. They're they're tied for fourth in the league for the worst goals against the, the the total goes against. So that's three out of four or what is it four out of five stats that they're terrible in. That um, leads uh, you. I'm going to dive deeper into the stats here, young Jeff. No, that's fine. Go ahead, d- yeah. dive right into it. But what I'm going to say here is that tells you that the black they're 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 going to come down to earth. Things will even out. They're going to come down to earth, and that's when the slide will begin. So enjoy it now. They may gain points now and everything, but it's not going to last like this. So go ahead. What, what more do you have? What more do you have uh, to say about this? I'm waiting for, <laughs> I'm waiting for my uh, for my Chrome to load, my new window to load because uh, <laughs> I'm watching the, the Hawks on another window. No, that's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to look at the faceoffs because I believe um, if you look at the the faceoffs for the team, um, it's it's a very it'll be very telling. Yeah, well, I, I do kind of know from, from discussions and stuff that um, that Anisimov's actually been at 50%, which is pretty good. For yeah. him, that's good. I mean, that's what you, you probably can't expect any more than that out of him. No, 50 is really good for yeah. him. That would but, be, I mean, 
I think his career high is like 46. Yeah, but but your first line, your quote unquote first line center of the future is like at 30%. Yeah. You cannot have a first line center or potential first line center at 30% at the faceoff dot. Nowhere. You can't. You can't do it. And, uh, you know, just he's a wing right now. And that's fine. Play him at wing, but get a center. Oh, there we go. Another goal. That was Cahoon. First NHL goal, Dominic Cahoon. That line is that line yeah. is on fire. I, I and, and that was that was an assist from like that cat, my friend. Nice the assist, cat, my friend. Across a, a nice pinpoint pass for a one-time yeah, goal right, from the cat. So everyone can go out there, and I know you're not going to believe you're hearing that that I am praising the cat, my friend. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there you go. But Dominic Cahoon, nice shot. Man, I like his celebrations, man. The the look of exuberance on his face when he made that pass to to uh, to Brinkett, and I think it was the Toronto game, and uh, now the the goal he just scored is awesome. Like that is what you like to see in hockey: the excitement, the exuberance, the happiness. I like that. I like Dominic Cahoon. I'm quickly uh, becoming a big fan of Dominic Cahoon right now. Well, I like I like Cahoon. I mean, he he's he's fast. He has some skill. He plays a good. Uh, Good game up and down the ice. I mean, yeah, no, I'm, I like him. He's responsible. He can play defense. He's he, he, there's no there's not really any glaring weaknesses in his game, other than you just you know, he's not you know a superstar, but he doesn't have to be a superstar. He could be what he is, which is you know he's playing a, he's he's doing better than say you know uh, Richard Panic did on that first line, and Richard Panic did all right for a year. You know, he had what you know. 35, 40 yeah. points. So uh, Dominic Cahoon well, is just, just as good, if not better. I think overall. So, did you? I uh, think he's. Uh, I think he, he actually has more skill than Panic. Yeah, and, you know, Panic was was a great athlete, but um, he wasn't. A, he wasn't always a disciplined player. And um, every once in a while, he would show a. You know, he would show like a highlight real goal. He would score, but then he would disappear forever. And and. Uh, Cahoon's uh, got a got a nifty little game to him. I think with Cahoon, I think it's his, his hockey sense. I think yeah. it's his brain. Yeah, I think he's smart. He's a smart hockey player. At least just from what I've seen from the the preseason and the and the you know the three games or four games that we've seen him now. I think Dominic Cahoon's just he's a smart hockey player. He knows where to be. He knows how to compliment his team his his line mates. I don't think Richard Panic really knew. Right. He was kind of like a white, you know, like a bull in a china shop, and every once right. in a while, you'd be able to harness that energy. Right. He was like, he was like what what Bob Rose used to call Kemney, a wild horse. Yeah. You know, where Cahoon, there's like no wasted motion. Right. He knows where he's going, and he gets there fast, and and he's smooth. I mean, he's a, he's a you know, in some ways, he's a classic European forward in that regard. Yeah, I was thinking he's the same thing. He's kind of he's like what you think of as like a Swedish, like a Swedish yep. forward, responsible. Yep. Like he, he doesn't do a lot of things real flashy, but he does everything pretty well. Yep. You know, so uh, I, I like that out of him. He seems to be in the right spot at the right time, and he's got good chemistry with the Brinkett and Taze, which is extremely important. So yeah, yeah. So anyway, I think Taves Taves is living up again to that. You know how he used to be described by coaches that. You know, when they asked Mike Babcock in the 2010 Olympics, who's your best forward for Team Canada? He said, whoever's playing with Taves. And think about that. (laughs) 
Um, and that's kind of what's happening now. I mean, Debrickett, I like Debrickett. I'm a fan of Debrickett's, but believe me, Debrickett's numbers already this year, which are crazy good, are because he's playing with 19. Yeah. And that's, 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 you know, not saying they would be terrible without him, but I mean, Taves is driving that line and it's like nobody's business. He looks great. Yeah. And, and, and I think like, like I, we said way earlier, like Cahoon's a guy who may go into the corner and get a puck. Jonathan Taze is a guy who will go into the corner and get a puck. Like that lends to Alex to bring it better than Patrick Kane and all these, Hey man, you got to put Alex to bring it with Patrick Kane because they, this goal they scored in some beer league during the summer. Like <laughs> no. And, 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 and Nick Schmaltz is their center. Like who's going to get the puck for any of these guys? Nobody is like he, and I said this before. I said, I think it lends better to him playing with Taves and he's playing with Taves and look what's happening. Maybe we know a thing or two. Maybe we don't, but it seems to be working pretty well, I think. So, but again, take it with a grain of salt because at some point in time, people are going to, you know, you know, see the video and they're going to see what the Blackhawks are doing. And they're going to be onto it. And uh, Minnesota, I had them picked to be last in the central division behind the Blackhawks. And right now they're kind of showing why, because they haven't had any pressure. They're at home and they've had little pressure on the Blackhawks and the Blackhawks defense is extremely porous. So yeah, Ward's had a pretty easy night so far, so far. Yeah. He's made a couple decent saves, but I mean, there was the, 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 the break, the partial breakaway that, you know, the man, the lead feet of Jan Ruda and Brandon Manning gave up. And, uh, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, so, uh, that's, that's where we're at right now with all that stuff. You want to get some questions and then get out of here? Yep. Cool. Um, all right. Question. Our friend Jackie Davis on the Facebook page. I wanted to put her first because, uh, uh, she's always real, real good about getting questions in and I want to make sure we get to it. Uh, here's my question with the power play still in the toilet. Do they finally say screw this and start all over with new players? I think we kind of talked about that. Um, I wouldn't say all new players because you got to put Patrick Kane out there. You got to put Jonathan Taze out there. You got to put Alex to it out there, but where they could change players, which was uh, take Duncan Keith off the point. They have done that and it hasn't worked yet, but we're talking about uh, 15 minutes into the first game where they've done this. So I think that covers it, huh? Yeah. All right, cool. All right, uh, our boy Brain Sprain. Make hockey whatever again <laughs> on, on uh, Twitter. Uh, as a woke hockey fan, I'm confused as to how to lower my hockey watch and carbon footprint, man, without <laughs> sacrificing my personal cap space, man. Uh, also, without the intersectionality of a strong defense and top-notch goaltending, how can the Blackhawks make the playoffs? Well, they can't with that but I think, and that's the thing i mean because i'm sitting here going i mean there's that there's that fan inside me that's 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 going well maybe maybe they are good you know they're up two to nothing i mean and the chances are they're gonna they're gonna go to three oh and one tonight i mean if they keep playing like they are now um uh, however um the the you know fan since 1969 tells me that uh defense and, and goaltending situation with or without Corey crawford um, it's hard to, it's hard to see this, this team going to the playoffs. Um, and you know, that's the other thing is like, and, and call me selfish. 
I don't want to just go to the playoffs. I want a team that advances in the playoffs. They've been in the playoffs two of the last three years, and they sucked. You know. Yeah. So I, I you know, I want a team that's going to go that's going to go far. So even if they do make the playoffs, I'm not getting sucked in, and I don't think they're gonna. That's the no. I mean, honestly, and we kind of said this the last podcast. Like, I'd rather miss the playoffs and get a good draft pick, and be yeah. able to bring it a, a good, solid next generation. Solid offensive forward, not Alex Debrinkit, who's probably a second tier guy, supporting guy, not, uh, uh, you know, Nick Schmaltz, who's probably a second tier guy, like a legitimate offensive force. Like they've got enough defensemen. We know this. And there's no use wasting a, an early draft pick on a defenseman. Get a, a good offensive player in here. And then you're really talking about that rebuild that rebuild on the fly or whatever you want to call it really a working, I think. Yeah. I'd love it. You know, it'd be great if, if they, if they do get a high draft pick, if they get another player of, you know, comparable promise as uh Boquist. Yes. Um, Cause I mean, you look at him and you go, okay, the, this is a guy who, if he develops as we think he, he could and should, he's going to be a really good player. He's going to be a really exciting player, a difference maker, you know, yeah. Um, not a secondary player. Right. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, and you'll be great Har- to see them get another, another player or two like that over the next 12 months. That would be awesome. Yeah. And, and, and you know, all the talking up and the Yoki Haro, this, that, and the other, to me, Yoki Haro is more of the guy who steps in and becomes that next Brent Seabrook. Yeah. Different style of player. It is but, different uh, style, but I think he's more Yoki Haro or Yoki Haro is more Seabrook ish in his play than he is Duncan Keithish to me. I think Bocris is more, you know, Eric, he's more the flashy, Eric fast, Carlson. small, Eric Carlson, Duncan yeah. Keith, kind of, you know, yeah. small hybrid uh, yeah. defenseman kind of guy. While Yoki Haro, I think is more, he's not going to be as flashy, but Dunk, I mean, Brent Seabrook in his prime. I mean, the guy, he was so underrated in his prime that he could yeah. have been a number one on someone else's team. He was solid. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. You know, yeah, that's kind of how I see him. And I don't think it's that's any slight. You know, Seabrook was, was you know, so physical. And yeah. A difference maker physically. Um, I don't know if Yoki Haru is going to be that type of player. That doesn't mean that Yoki Haru won't be really good in his own way. Yeah. Well, uh, again, with, with that, I think with the way the game, and, you know, hey, man, the game's changing, man. I don't know that you're necessarily going to see a lot of those defensemen anymore that are as physical as like Brent Seabrook or whatever. Like, I think you're going to see a lot less of that. I mean, think about what we were talking about today. We're talking about young defensemen that we, that we would love to see in the Hawks. And and who are we talking about? Pareko and Sergachev. Yeah. Those guys, those guys are both big dudes whose physicality makes a difference. They're also really good players, um, you know, all the way around. Um, I think those guys are freaks. (laughs) I think they're freaks. I think they're freaks of nature. I don't oh, think both, I think it's not going to great young defensemen. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. Um, I, you know, so I and then and we're talking about the forwards that we'd love to have, like his lower line guys and guys like Fiala and Josh Anderson. Um, I, you know, I still think that there's that, you know, like the, the Capitals. I mean, look at them. I mean, they, they had big guys up and down the lineup um, and, you know, good big players, generally speaking, are better than good small players. Um, and so, I mean, I, I don't know that the game, the physicality is leaving the game quite like some people think it is speed certainly is in the game and more so than ever. And that's true, but that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily 
you know, negate or, you know, render sides, um, you know, irrelevant in my opinion. No. And, and where I see this is I think the size is going to be relative. Now you, you, you got these guys who were drafted this year, like Bouchard and Dobson. Those guys yeah. aren't 225, 230 pound guys. Uh, they're still like 210. They're still like 210, 215 tops. So I think this, there's still going to be size, but the size is going to be relative. It's going to be shrunken down a little bit where now you have Yoki Haru, who's a little bit over 200 pounds. So I think relatively as, as things is the game changes as it is, man, um, I think that the size is going to be like Yoki Haru is going to be considered a bigger guy. Yeah. I think that's what's going to end up happening. Well, the way this he'll going. be, you know, he'll be adequate size. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's fine. So that's um, why I think that's his, where this his is game going. is, you know, his game is, is skill and smart plays and, um, you know, he's, he's really good coming up the oh ice with God. the puck on his stick. And I think where, where he has really surprised people is how well he's played in his own end. Um, that's been the, the real pleasant surprise. Everybody knew he had the offensive ability, oh, but he's been, he's been really good defensively. And playing with a, a two-time Norris winner doesn't hurt either. Yeah, I I, I hate to get, to interrupt you here, but yeah, it's the black eyes. Eric Stahl had half of a net to shoot at. And I could, just saw it and just shot it right back into Cam Ward. Cam Ward didn't make the save at all. He was just yeah, Ward there. Like, Ward looked like he was surprised the puck hit him. He yeah. really did. He, I, I'm sure he was shocked that that didn't end up in the back of the net. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I have a, they have a uh, horseshoe in their in Ward's pads right now. Yeah. So anyway, brain sprain. That wasn't really as a serious a question. He was kind of uh, being a little sarcastic about his carbon footprint, but he actually has a serious yes. question, which is: Is Tim Soderlin, who uh, is the s- smallest winger that's over in Sweden, that uh, Mario and uh, Aaron and I all liked in prospect camp two years ago? Uh, it says, is he developing into a strong defensive forward or is it all hype? If you ask me, and uh, again, I've, I've not seen him play against pros, but he does play against pros over in Sweden. Um, he looks like a, 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 a kind of like a Cahoon type responsible on both ends quick. Uh, will di- you know, he has a little bit of an edge to his game. Isn't afraid to go towards the net, but I don't know how that's going to re- relate uh, to the pro NHL game as far as, you know, as opposed to the Swedish game. So it's, it's so hard to yeah. say. I mean, that's the thing. And that's what the, the thing that makes my head want to explode every summer is the projections. Now, again, I mean, you, you get a nice surprise like a Yoki Haru who comes in from day one and looks really good. People forget, you know, the cat for the first oh, 15, 20 games last year was, uh, you know, <laughs> a work in progress at best. And Brandon Saad's first 25 games, um, you know, so it's, it's you know, when, when every year there's some guy that gets anointed as being, you know, just fantastic and, and the next Hall of Famer. And um, sometimes they, they work out reasonably well or they, they surprise a little bit and sometimes they don't. And, uh, I mean, so it's really hard with Soderlund to say, I mean, a, a comparator I've heard of his for him is uh, Victor Arvidsson. Yeah. And how great would that be? But yeah. – it's just so hard. Victor Arvidsson has done it in the NHL, the best league on the planet. Soderlund has, has shown some flashes in a, an inferior league over in Sweden. So um, it's just, it's really hard to, to, to project these guys beyond saying some of these guys show some promise or a guy like Bokvist, who's 
skills um, and talent are so obvious that it's like, okay, you know, this guy's going to be good. Just give him a little time and, in, 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 you know, in the minors and he'll be, he'll be great. Yeah. I, I think he has potential. He's got a lot of tools that are real good. And like I said, he could, he could be a Dominic Cahoon type, but he has to come over here and play against pro NHL players yeah. on smaller ice service before I'm yeah. really going to deem him anything. He just, he looks like a nice prospect that may get a chance. That's about as far as I can go on that. I like him, and that's about where I can go. Yep. So, uh, Alex DR. It's DR. He did get a yes. hold of me, and it's Alex DR uh, with a question. Do you think, uh, he spelled it wrong, but Froten. <laughs> do you think Froten, do you think Fortin could play well with Saad? Uh, I don't know. Uh, right now, I don't know what Saad Who's going to play good with Saad right now until he gets off of his little slide here? But uh, seems like a tricky guy uh, to place due to his speed. Where would you like to see him play while he's up here? And uh, they're just, <laughs> it's just DR, by the way, Gate. Uh, so thank you for explaining that. Um, I think third line is probably where he belongs right now. Uh, Froten. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good place for him. I think Froats, uh, we'll call him Froats or Froatsy. Froats, yeah. Froatsy. His hawk nickname, Froatsy. Um, Wheel of Froten. Yeah. I, I don't think the problem with playing with Sod is they're both left wings. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're both, that, that's, that's their better, the better wing for both of them. So I don't think that makes any sense. Although um, he's playing right wing now with Kunitz because Kunitz is left wing, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I, th- I think they just need to get someone better, someone quicker uh, in place of Kunitz, and I think you know Fortin could be a, a very good, a very adequate third line wing, but I don't think he's going to be there long, uh, unfortunately, because I think as soon as Martin comes back, I think they're going to send him back down. It, it, even though I don't think he may necessarily do anything wrong, I just think this, it's a numbers game with this. Oh, no, for sure. So, for sure, you know that for, that's the thing. He's not. It's it's kind of almost a moot point to talk about where he fits in because it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be an issue for very long, right? Yeah, and eventually, when they're you know not as upset with the power the the play of Dylan Sakura, you're probably gonna have Dylan Sakura. He's gonna probably jump ahead of Fortin on the depth yeah. chart. So yeah, because you know last year that was the trade dine, trade deadline acquisition, right? <laughs> right. Now the trade yeah. deadline acquisition is playing third line in Rockford. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the Blackhawks in their words. Words are bullshit. They're just useless sounds that we make with our stupid mouths. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that thanks, Alex, for saying in your question. Uh, then we got a question. Two people basically ask the same question. Johnny Utah, our favorite Artemi Panarin guy, uh, and Chuck Bessler, who sent in an email. They both ask, what's going on with Brandon Saad? At what point did the Blackhawks look at moving his contract before we enter the stage of having to retain salary or give up prospects in order to move him? Or do you think I'm overreacting about the Saad father? And then at the end, he says, sign Panarin if he's available in in free agency. Back to Saad, though. Go ahead. You could take this one. I've been talking too much. Um, Well, again, I mean, okay. I'm... I'm going to try not to say I told you so, um, but I was one of those people who, um, and sure, I'm, sometimes I'm wrong about things too, but I was one of those people who was saying patiently for the last three years, don't write Jonathan Taves off yet. Don't write Jonathan Taves off. Something, you know, he had a back injury. 
that's confirmed um, that he had to work through. He had a lot of changes on his line. Clearly, he went and did some things in the offseason this summer that he had not done before. And lo and behold, look where he is. Okay, Brandon Saad is four years younger than Jonathan Taves. Uh, Brandon Saad is, is, is a tremendous natural athlete. Uh, he's a good kid. He's a champion. He's won two Stanley Cups. He was an important part of both of those Stanley Cup teams. There's nothing wrong with him physically. Um, all this, there was some article that somebody, somebody posted, I think it was like six weeks ago about how he was a buyout candidate. I'm, I'm sorry. That's insane. That was during the summer. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the quote unquote experts. Some time he's on a completely new line. Um, you know, he's not playing with the, the guys that, that he played with for, you know, for a number of seasons. Um, it's, it's going to take some time, you know, uh, personally, I, I think Saad's game is more, you know, it, it is speed definitely up and down the ice, but I think he's really good in, in a, you know, a low cycle game playing with, you know, other players who match that style like Taves and Hosa did. Um, and, uh, he's not playing with those guys with, with, um, Saad and Schmaltz or excuse me, with Kane and Schmaltz. Now, now Saad's got to be the puck retrieval guy, um, you know, for the, for the whole line. Um, it's just, I think he's adjusting and I think he, I actually, I think Brandon Saad is going to be just fine. And I think the Hawks are going to be glad they, they've kept him at the salary he's at and people shouldn't worry about it. Thanks my- Freddie foreshadowing. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I'm, I, I like Saad. Um, I'm like I said, I, I said this way earlier. I'm disappointed. He's not doing well, but he's still young. Like, Oh Yeah. <clears throat> His his skill set is something the Blackhawks don't have a lot of. Uh, I, I just you know what? Right now they're not up against the cap. The cap's going to raise. We're hearing all these you know early projections of the cap going up to like what eighty two million or something like that, or whatever it is. I, I don't. I heard him talking about it today, but you know the cap's going to go up again. Like they're not up against the cap, so the, his salary isn't killing him right now. Sure. They're not going to be able to afford our Temi Panarin, but our Temi Panarin's probably not coming here anyway. He's not coming. No, I mean, That's and even happening. if he did, I don't think it puts him in the cup anyway. So, um, yeah. yeah, you just just hang on to him, tough it out. If you need to get him a skills coach, uh, then do that. But you got to get him with Coach Bob Rose. Yeah, no kidding. Well, you you know you you got Daryl Bell free for uh, Kane. You got Adam Oates for. Uh, Jonathan Taze, Coach Bob Rose from the rink. You know That's what? Right. Yeah. Pro bono, right? <laughs> right. Coach Bob Rose. Coach Bob Rose or uh, a future, another future guest on, on the ring cast, um, NHL shooting coach, probably the premier shooting coach in the world, Tim Turk. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a guest of ours this year, this year as well. Um, but, I mean, we're just all kidding aside. I, I think, I think Saad's going to be fine. I think it's, it's about finding chemistry with his with his current line mates, and and there may need to be some some changes in the lineup and then a shakeup of the lines to get Sod right. I I don't know. I mean, they're certainly not going to break up Taves and Debrinket at this point, so Sod's going to have to figure out with what they have. But quite honestly, I, I you know the, this team still needs work. I, I think after after the the Taves line, it, the, there's a lot of things they could change. You know, right, right. So. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I'm going to surprise you with a question after this because I remember one that came up and I don't want to miss it. Uh, but th- we're going to do this. Uh, Milas Stefan from the uh, the Milas Milas Stefan from the Facebook page. 
Do you think Taves' increase in production is due to working with Adam Oates in the offseason? Yes, most definitely, probably is. Um, I mean, 14 of Oates' clients had career years last year. Do you think Taves will have a career year? I don't know about a career year, but I think he's going to get back into that, you know, top, top-tier top status um, where he belongs. How about yeah, you? he looks great. Yeah. You agree? <laughs> I think we agree. Uh, I do. Okay. Something we may not agree. No, not we we will agree, but I saw a question uh that came up and I I don't know why I didn't put it on the outline, but I should have. It was basically the fact is how does John feel about possibly being wrong two years in a row about rookies? Last year it was Alex DeBrinkett, and this year it's Henry Yokiharo. Now, first uh, of all it, it's a fair question. It's a fair question. I and I will uh first of all, I don't think I was a hundred percent wrong about DeBrinkett. Um you weren't. I, I, Last year, there were people the, in the mainstream media right before he caught fire. There were people in the mainstream media that are saying, you know what? It may be time to send him down. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he struggled at first. It didn't last long. And that's to his credit. And, and I, I, I will I will give I will always give credit for that. And I will also say that perhaps I was a little harsh on him. Um, we both. But here's the thing. But here's the thing. All of you guys that are anybody who's who's holding that up and saying, "Oh, you you were wrong two years in a row." I was right about Tavo Teravainen, wasn't I? <laughs> so, and you same guys were probably the ones who were all talking about how great he was based on his YouTubes from Finland. Yeah. So, um, it, it, the bottom line is, I'm and I've said this, I'm always going to err on the side of caution, not having too high expectations for guys who've never played in the NHL, much less played. Um, in, in pro hockey in North America. Um, and, and you know, the, the guys who defy that are the exceptions, not the rule. And, I, and that remains the case. But sure, I mean, and, and again, Yoki Haru, I did not think he was going to be ready this year. So far, he's proved me wrong. But here's the other thing. All these people, you know, Yoki Haru for Calder, I think you're getting a little out over your skis. He's going to make some mistakes. It's going to happen. Something else I want to bring up and I want to remind people of, and this is going to, this is going to support our original thoughts on Henry Yokiharu. Connor Murphy and Gustav Forsling are hurt when they come back or if they started the regular season, does Henry Yokiharu start with the team? Probably not. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. Although I get the, I get the sense that he probably would have played his way onto the team pretty quickly. Um, I don't think that either one of those guys at this point is gonna, is gonna push him down the lineup. I mean, he's, he's making his case. I mean, adding Connor Murphy would just be nice in terms of quality depth. No, but I mean, if Connor Murphy starts the season in camp healthy and Gustav Forsling starts in camp healthy right Right. now, those guys are above him on the depth chart. And where do you put Henry Yokiharu then when you got Gustafson, Seabrook, Manning, uh, Ruda, Connor Murphy, and Gustav Forsling? Where do you put Henry Yokiharu? He's the guy who is, he is exempt in waivers. Where would he end up? He would have ended up in Rockford. So to say that we're, that, that we're wrong or you were wrong isn't necessarily true. The circumstances changed when right. camp started. No, that's fine. I mean, and here's the other thing. I mean, people will will put words in your mouth and say that, oh, well, you said you said this guy talked and et cetera. I, Yoki Haru, I never said anything but good things about him um, as a prospect and as a developable developable prospect. My only thing was just 
I didn't know that he would be ready this year to play in the NHL, not having played any pro hockey. Um, DeBrickett, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I, I had my doubts about him because of his skating, um, because of his size. But, you know, his, his skating has shown to be good enough. And he's he's definitely got a bigger heart than his body. Um, and that's great because a lot of there's a lot of small guys who play big and he's one of them. And hey, more credit to him. Um, I'm not I'm not a guy who's going to claim to know everything about how a player is going to be in the NHL based upon his his junior numbers, because I could give you a list as long as my arm of guys who put up huge numbers in junior and never did crap in the NHL. Yeah. OK, so again, I mean. Uh, I'm glad to admit I was wrong about guys like that. Um, but at the same time, I've been right about some, too. And, uh, again, I'm always going to be extra cautious about guys coming in their first year of pro hockey. And, and so, also, let's be yeah. Also, let's be honest about Dabrinkit last year. You and I have both heard, and for a fact, that the organization was not happy with the way he went through prospect camp and didn't look good. And he didn't, yeah. do, he didn't look well in, uh, in training camp either. Yeah. And then he started the season out, his first 10 or 15 games, all he had was a couple of empty net goals. Yeah, it was it, yeah. I mean, and he was getting he was getting absolutely just ragdolled in the corners. And um, then he figured it out. Great. Yeah, he did. And to his credit, I mean, and, and one of the things I love about him at 5 foot 6 or 7, he now when he goes into the corners, he's not afraid of anybody. And and that's great. And and uh you know, he's just, he's a really smart about getting open ice and using opposing players as screens with, to get his shot off. And he's got that great release. That's, that's all great. I mean, that's a credit to him. Um, so again, I mean, you, the bottom line is there's always some flavor of the month every summer, um, out there on, on Twitter of, of you know, Hawk prospects is going to be the next Bobby Orr. And the bottom line is, um, some do, some don't, and everybody knows it. And it's the same guys every year who get on that train. And then I'm on the other side every year saying, you know, hold off. Don't get too excited here. Yeah. And sometimes I'm right. And sometimes they're right. Well, and it's fine. And to everyone who's patting themselves on the back, Dylan Sakura. Yeah. I, we yeah. don't say he sucks. We just say he's not ready. That's all. Yeah. Oh, and I think, I mean, again, he's got a lot of skill. Um, it's obvious. The question is, and you know, and again, Nick Schmaltz, I mean, I, I get so pissed about Nick Schmaltz and the way that people are ready to throw all this money at him um, because of the shortcomings in his game. But I'm also the first to admit he's got a lot of talent. It's just it's just what he's missing right now. is It's so hard to appreciate him as a complete player. He's not, you no. know, but that doesn't mean I hate him. And that doesn't no. mean I think he sucks or he can't be great, no. but he's going to have to get better. And we think he's being played out of position. That's all. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know. I don't know if he's got a position yet. That's the thing. I don't know if he's well. Yeah. But, he's 100 percent a winger, 100 percent a center. But yeah, he's going to have to be one or the other at some yeah. point. Yeah, and and that's all we're saying. To say I, I didn't say that. No one said Alex Brinkett was going to be a. You know, he was going to suck, and that he was going to be a huge bust. We didn't say that. We said he's got talent. Sure. We don't know how it's going to translate. He's probably, he might not be ready yet for the NHL. Maybe a little bit of time down in Rockford where he's, he's the guy would have been good for him. Now, what is so wrong about that? Or the same thing about Yoki Haru. Like, let's say the numbers game did not support him. And Jan Ruda and and Connor Murphy and Gustav Forsling and all these other guys are in camp and they just don't have the, they just don't have the space for him because they couldn't play him every night in the top four. 
Yeah. Which very likely could have happened. And then they send him down there and he's leading the power play and he's playing penalty kill and he's, you know, playing 26 minutes a night or whatever, 20, whatever. Is, is that the end of the world? Is it really? That, that if that would have happened and then they bring him up after he's got a little bit of seasoning and he's a little comfortable. No, it's not the end of well, the world. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right because if, if, if Murphy and Forslund were, were healthy, yeah, it's very likely Yoki at least started the year in Rockford. And that's fine. And that's the thing. It's like some people seemed like like they had bet their, their IRA on Yoki Haru making the team out of camp. Who cares? I want him to be there when he's ready to play, period. And so far he's shown that he, it pretty much is. And that's great. But it's like I don't, I don't understand why, why it's so vital that the rookie of the year um, or the rookie of the summer – you know, starts the team out of camp like it's going to prove something. It doesn't prove anything if he's not ready. That's like the same thing with Crawford coming back and people talking about that like it's going to like be the apocalypse. No, he he's only back when he's really actually back, even if he's on the ice. If he's not playing well or not playing up to Crawford, he's not really back. And so that's that's the bottom line. It's all this delusional hype. It's the Scott Darling. It's. You know, it, it goes it goes on and on and on and on about this delusional hype stuff. Just chill out, relax, stop overvaluing all these prospects, take them for what they are, be realistic, be pragmatic. That's what we're trying to do. And if and if and if we're wrong for that, then we're wrong, I guess. But I don't think there's anything wrong with being being reasonable and pragmatic about stuff i don't think there no is. it's you know we're we're being a buzzkill for some people and and i get it but at, at you know the other side of it hey is hey man i want to be positive yeah, man. yeah you guys gotta realize how freaking insane you drive some of you people drive us with some of your projections and lists and and uh you know the, the bottom line is is that none of us unless we're professional scouts and go to a lot of junior games and talk to a lot of coaches which I would argue 99.99% of all the people making these predictions on Twitter in the summertime have not done. You, you cannot say, you just can't, you simply cannot say that this guy's going to be great or that guy's going to be great based upon some point totals in junior games. Um, it, it, it's, it's just way more complicated than that. There's so many more things that can happen in the intervening time. And so, yeah, I'm going to err on the side of caution and I'm, I'm quite comfortable with that. I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. So get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> and to everyone who's who, who wants to throw the Alex to Brink it out there, but we could throw ten uh, you know, Kyle Beaches out there at you. And Tavo Turbine in and, and whatever. Yeah. yeah. Go listen to the, the latest podcast or uh not the latest, the last podcast. Craig Custance talks to Daryl Belfry, um, who is Patrick Kane's uh he doesn't like to be called a skills coach, but he kind of special specialist coach, whatever. Um, and he talks about how guys come to him like in junior and say, well, I scored 40 goals in junior three straight years. And how come they're picking these other guys ahead of me and stuff? And he talks about how he looks at these goals and says, okay, how many of those goals, you may have 40 goals. How many of them are actually NHL goals? And how right. many of them are because the junior goalie sucks or because right. you're turnstiling OHL defensemen who are going to be... Well, you're, playing, you're playing against a kid who's 15 years old. Yeah. Or, yeah. or a kid that's going to be working at McDonald's next summer. 
right. Or, you know, playing uh, the in the AIHL over, you know, whatever, wherever. Right. You're turnstiling kids who are not even close to NHL quality. And he's like, he's like, then I would go out there and I'd say, okay, you had 30, you had 45 goals this year. Maybe eight of them are NHL quality goals. Okay. So in the NHL, you, you could equate your 40 goals to maybe, maybe eight NHL goals. Right. And I'll give you a really good example. A guy that I had the opportunity because I was living and working in Canada at the time to watch come up through junior in the AHL. And that was Troy Brower and Brower at every level had been a big point producer. Um, and you know, there were a lot of people that were projecting him to be that or expecting him to be that kind of player in the NHL. But the one thing that, that he really lacked as a, as a scorer or a goal scorer in the NHL is he did not have top end speed. He was pretty, pretty average skater. Now he's, he, I think he's put up 20, 22, 25 goals, uh, most seasons, which is great, but he didn't put up the numbers like he did in junior Kyle beach. He had something like 60 goals one year in the Western hockey league, but he couldn't skate. So there, I mean, and a friend of mine who was a pro agent and was a former uh, uh, pro player, uh, not in the NHL, but he played in the OHL and in the IHL. You know, he said he said of guys like that that you know that, that difference between the speed at the NHL level and the levels below exposes guys and separates the guys who really make it from sometimes the, the guys who don't. But it can be more than speed; it can also be the physicality of the NHL game. Um, guys coming from college into the NHL sometimes have a really tough adjustment because the NHL is so much more physical. So those are all the things that, you know, none of us can say until we see the guy suits up and he's out there and we see how he does against the best players in the world. None of us can really accurately say how great a guys can be. So next year, I'm sure there's going to be somebody else who's getting just the crap hyped out of him. And I'm going to say the same thing until I see him play pro hockey. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sold. I'm yeah. sorry. Well, here, I will bring up another excellent example that Blackhawks fans will be very familiar with. This this person, their, their career high of points in the NHL was 47, 19 goals, 28 assists. But in the OHL, as an overager, had 57 goals and 73 assists. That's 130 points in 59 games. David Boland. Yeah, Dave Boland, yeah. He had an okay uh, NHL career. Sam Gagne. Sam Gagne put up crazy point totals in the OHL. Jeff Shantz put up big point totals in the WHL. I mean, uh, uh, Alexander Dagg, I mean, put up huge point totals in the QMJHL. I mean, there is a list as literally as long as both your arms and both your legs of guys who put up monster point totals in, in junior and don't do crap in the NHL. Um, guys who are big stars in college don't do crap in the NHL. There's a long list of those guys too. And so again, um, unless you're really seeing these guys talking to their coaches, um, talking to opposing coaches, talking to scouts, uh, it's, it's all the, all these predictions and prognostications and lists are just, it's like throwing darts blindfolded. It's yeah. just, you're guessing. And the ultimate goal sometimes with- you're right. And sometimes you're wrong. Yeah, and, and and sure, there's Johnny Goudreau's out there, right, who come in the NHL yep. and just magical coming out of college. Or, uh, you know, Jack Eichel or whatever. That happens. It does happen. Sure, yeah. Yep. But then you have Dave Bowen, who scored, you know, 73 goals or whatever, or whatever it was, and he never had 20 goals in the NHL. I mean, yeah, Philip Deneau was a big point producer in junior. Yeah. 
Um, you know, and I remember I got, I was real excited about him. And I remember our own uh, Bill Wiz said he's probably not going to be that kind of player in the NHL. He's going to be more of a third line type of guy. And that's what's happened. Uh, you know, except in uh, Montreal, they don't have anywhere on, anyone else right, to play. They don't have center, yeah. So. yeah, right. Um, but he's a good player. He's a good. Yeah. I mean, he I mean, is so, a David Bowen or a whatever type player that could be a very good, solid center in the NHL. He's not going to score you 30 goals, probably, but yeah. he could be very serviceable and have a nice NHL career like David Bowen. Yeah. So just relax. Everyone relax with the I'm right or I'm not right. Relax. Chill out. You could, because yeah. you put I mean, these unrealistic. I, ex- I, 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 rarely do I see a guy, you know, who, who I say, you know what, that guy's just not going to be any good. Unless unless there's some obvious thing that jumps out about him that says that, that there's really no talent there. I mean, like a lot of not. these guys <laughs> have skills. A lot of these guys have unique skills, but, you know, they have other areas they need to work on. And um, that's part of the reason I love Alex Fortin, because he's got he's got great speed. He can make plays at top speed and he's really willing. Um, and, um, that's, that's something I like about him, but, but does that mean he's going to be a star? No. I mean, I just, I just like the way the kid plays. Yeah. So sorry to go off on that rant and have to have to no, bring that good. up. I mean, I think it's a great discussion and quite yeah. honestly, I think there's, you know, there's a degree to which that, that question is fair, even if it's a little, um, extreme in its characterization, but it, it's, it's fair. And then, and, and yeah, sure. Yeah. Because then, yeah, yeah, then you got devil's advocate, man. But you put the unre- you put the unrealistic expectations on on a player, and then they don't live up to those those expectations, and then it's well, they're a bust. Well, how about if you just gave them realistic expectations in the first place? Maybe then they're not a bust. Maybe they are Dave Bowen, who has a decent NHL career, and you know what? That's fine. Maybe that's what the player Horton. is. Horton just made a nice play in the forecheck. He came in and he came in and stole a puck deep. And he uh, he set up a play, um, and now they've they've had pressure for a good half minute. Yeah, now, now Minnesota's breaking up. That was a nice play by Fortin. That's the kind of stuff he does. He's a really aggressive forechecker, and he's got that speed. And he's smart um, with the puck, and he, he 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 he's very confident when he has the puck on his stick too. Yeah, notice that oh, yeah. in uh, prospect camp when he's got that puck on his stick, he knows what he wants to do with it. And yep. he's going to do it like he's not he's not Nick Schmaltz, who's, you know, maybe I'm going to pass. Maybe I'm not going to pass. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, maybe I need to try and force this wonderful pass to somebody. Like if there's any doubt, he's taking Fortin's taking to the net, which is good in a bottom six role. Like, yeah, you don't need to be fooling around with the puck. Get it. Yep. To, get it to the damn net. So. Oh, and here we go. Look at this face off deep in the. uh Face off deep in the Minnesota zone. Who's taking the face off? Brandon Saad. Yeah, right. Right. Yep. Well, I don't know if go. I don't know if Schmaltz was kicked out, but uh it wouldn't surprise me if he if Saad was, you know, initially in there in the first place. So, yeah. All right, well, let's get the hell out of here and let's watch the rest of this game, right? Let's get the hell out of here. All right, cool. So, anyway, wrapping up, uh I do want to do want to mention next week we have lined up the guy from Puckpedia. So, he's probably going to be on with us. Levine. So, yeah. Um, anyway, you can find all of our wonderful content on www.the-rink.com. You can find us on all the popular social media at The Rink Official. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, the Rinkcast account, where we do all the Rinkcast-related uh, news, will be at The Rinkcast on Twitter. You can find me, Gatekeeper, at Puck and Hostel. You can find... Sorry, there's a... <laughs> something going on in the crease with the Blackhawks game. It got me, uh, 
got me distracted a little bit. Squirrel moment. Yeah, I know. Cam Ward laying prone in the crease with the puck bouncing around scares me. <laughs> Not a good thing. No, and Not you, combination. you, sir, are at Jekyll, J-A-E-C-K-E-L on the Twitter machine. The Twitters. Yes. Um, thanks to our uh, review from JD of Nations. Uh, the rest of you, if you can uh, go out there, take some time. If you enjoy what, what we're doing here, take a little bit of time out of, your, out of your busy schedule to go over there to iTunes, rate and review us. I know it's not easy to do, but if you could, or even if you want to send us an email, you send us an email to uh, podcast at the dash rank.com to tell us how much, you know, when you enjoy us or maybe you hate us, I don't care. Just send it over. But, uh, I don't, I don't have any more, uh, plugs. Um, you got anything else you want to plug? Uh, no, I don't, I don't really have any, any plugs. I, um, I, my two, my two hockey chats on, um, oh, I have, I have our rink chat, but I have two outside of the rink. I have Hawks chat. I want to plug those guys? Say, say, a hearty, hearty hail, well met to those guys, and also Elite Hawks chat. Ooh. Uh, my other, my other hockey chat. I'm I not elite enough for that. Too. <laughs> We're not elite enough for that. Um, but you know what? I do want to send a shout out to the Sweeney family. Yeah, yeah, Shannon, yeah, and Beth, yeah, yeah, the Sweeney family who have been nothing but nice ever. Uh, you know, they're, they're going through some rough stuff in their family. I don't want to air their laundry, but she's been kind of quiet on Twitter. Oh, Gus just got undressed. Oh, boy. Oh, they didn't score, thank God. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> but we want to send a hearty well wishes out to the Sweeney family. Uh, we're thinking about you guys all the time. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I hope everything goes well for everybody out there. So, best Sweeney. Yeah. Um, you probably haven't seen her a lot on Twitter. She hasn't been around a lot. She's very busy. Got a lot of stuff going on in her life. But Super Beth, mom. Beth and Shannon, and she's the mom of, of you know, the Blackhawks land, or at least Blackhawks fandom, I think, and Rockford for sure. So, yep. uh, but, uh, so anyway, that's that. Um, I think that's it. All right. Anyway, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the link.